Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma, and and I forgot to change my shirt. So today's a little bit more casual than normal. Uh, so today we have Alec on. Hello, Alec. How, how are you? Hey, Alan. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. Uh, so we were talking before the show about a couple of things. So there's two things we wanted to talk about. Um, maybe to kind of give a little bit more context of who you are. You are the CPTO, Chief product and technology officer is that right yes exactly yeah and then you said you just found that out also which is a interesting weird story <laughs> yeah so you know for for the first few years um of, of done so i'm also one of the co-founders uh, so um i was the chief technical officer the cto and um, my partner Malin was the ceo um but since nowadays i do actually more product than tech um it's it's good to be able to indicate to people outside of tech that i do product and when speaking to investors and things like that so yeah product and tech have done yeah how, how does it actually get divided up i mean are you spending time coding or are you doing architecting are you mentoring developers uh, how do you deal with the with the product side are you like managing the project or, you know, do you mind to kind of delve into a little bit more of what the kind of role would actually entail? Yeah, sure. So uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I think as a co-founder, once you start to grow your startup and you have a few employees, your role kind of becomes to fix whatever thing uh, that other people you have employed um can't do themselves or, or you know fill in the gaps so that your employees don't have to context switch between a bunch of different tasks so in reality today maybe i do like on some weeks i do no coding at all on other weeks 50 percent of my time is coding and but then i do you know legal uh, financial administration things like paying out salaries to our employees making sure we have money comes in and out in the company, um, investor relations together with uh, my partner Malin, who's the CEO. So, uh, and then when it comes to product, um, it's more that I'm responsible for the the vision of the product, um, like the long term. And also, I think as a CTO, um, your responsibility is to leverage tech in your business, right? So it can also be things like figuring out okay now we built a platform for for the service that we're selling could we potentially white label this platform and so and sell it as a technology as well and what kind of technological choices do we need to do in order to not paint ourselves into a corner so that we don't have the opportunity to do that in the future your job sounds a lot like mine where i'm kind of are you also the one who has to like call up people who owe you money and say pay me yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sometimes happens. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like maybe I should change my title to that one and, and somebody else's CEO at this point. Um, so that's 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 interesting. Um, now, uh, you jumped ahead to uh, an important topic, right? We talked about, we're, we're going to be talking about two topics today, right? And you already mentioned, um, so we kind of started mentioning about done, but we're going to park that one to the side as we talked about. And we're going to talk about Flutter and Friends first. Right. Um, so Flutter and Friends, not Flutter Friends, but Flutter and Friends, 
is a Flutter conference located in Stockholm in September 3rd through 5th of this year, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, so we're an event that starts on the 3rd on a Sunday with social events. And then we have a conference day on the 4th. And then on the 5th, we have workshops. So um, just to just uh, start off a little bit um, with um, where I was coming from, like I, I was a, before done, I was an iOS developer for 10 years. And I was very involved in the local iOS community here in Stockholm. Um, and after a few years, we were talking about, hey, we should do an iOS conference in Stockholm as well. So we did that in 2018. That was before um, I co-founded Done. And then, of course, COVID and everything happened. And in 2019, uh, when it was time for us to start our own company, I realized that uh, actually we, uh, we couldn't afford to do both native iOS and native Android in parallel. And we needed to have both from day one. And um, luckily that coincided with Flutter just hitting 1.0 and stable. So we started off uh, with that. And now we're organizing um, this conference, Flutter and Friends. So it's really a conference from the community. So uh, apart from me, also Lucas um, Spidon on Twitter, uh, who's um, one of the creators of the Flame uh, game development package for Flutter, as well as Victor Liedholt, uh, which runs ServerPod. We're doing this conference together. And for me, it's really like uh, the culmination of uh, uh, attending many different kinds of, con of conferences, big and small throughout the years, and like picking out what I feel like are the best parts from each and every one of those conferences. And one of the things that we really want to highlight is the social aspect, which is why, hence the name Flutter with Friends or and Friends. So uh, when you come to a conference as a lone attendee, or if you're coming together with, um, with maybe a coworker, it's, I, I think it's sometimes can be hard and daunting to enter a big room on conference day with a couple of hundred people uh, you haven't talked to before and to start making conversations, start getting to know people um, and ultimately get some new connections and friends for you, uh, both professionally and, and in your social life. And what we wanted to do with Flutter and Friends is to facilitate as many opportunities for you to make new friends as possible. So for instance, uh, on the Sunday, uh, we have a social activities day. So during that day, uh, you uh, sign up for one of our social activities, which are done in smaller groups. So we do things like uh, having a bike tour through, uh, throughout Stockholm, um, which is a beautiful city. I can't wait for everyone to come and see. Uh, as well as doing different things, going to the fun fair, um, going bouldering, different kinds of fun activities. And then later we have um, a Flutter pub quiz in the evening, and we have this thing called Dinner with Strangers. We also just sign up and you get assigned to a smaller group that you're going to have dinner with uh, at a local Stockholm restaurant. So we do that before the main conference day so that you get to know a bunch of people from different groups, from different backgrounds, well before the big conference day. So when you show up in that 
big venue with 250 people, then you already know some people in the crowd. And you're gonna have a much easier time to start conversating with people. And you're gonna have uh, a better opportunity to, uh, to meet people and talk to them for, for a longer stretch than just in, in the small breaks. Well, I love that idea. Basically kind of like a pre-event uh, icebreaker, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and then uh, after the conference day, we also have a workshop day, which I think is, um, uh, as far as Flutter is concerned, I think we're the first uh, conference doing it. So uh, at the conference day, you're going to have the um, the opportunity to uh, take your own code uh, and and get help from, for instance, uh, Mike Rudstrom, you know, Material Mike, uh, get help with uh, turning your app to Material 3, um, learn ServerPod together with ServerPod's author, Victor, um, et cetera. So uh, it, it's really a way for like the community to also be able to teach uh, each other um, uh, and not just uh, like having, having a talk, but some kind of more interaction. Okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. I like that you can get Victor, Victor there. Obviously, we all know Mike. I'm not sure if everybody else knows Mike in here. But I like that we can get uh, Victor there, who is the creator of ServerPod, and he could actually teach you how to use what it is that he created. You know, a lot of times these like external people will teach you tutorials, et cetera, but they don't really maybe understand everything. And then also sometimes people ask questions and then you find out, oh, actually there's, you know, something I could add into ServerPod. I'm talking about from Victor's side or, you know, even from Mike's side. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's great to have a big like community of uh, educators that are on YouTube and do blogs, etc. But some sometimes things get some small nuances get lost in translation. And of course, the best way to learn something is to uh, uh, learn it directly from its creator. Um, and I think also it's probably going to be a great way for Victor to get feedback himself. Um, from people that are yeah, going to use this framework for the first time. Yeah, I, well, I, I know that it's always kind of tricky that you do want to get feedback, but at the same time, you want to get feedback with that you can action on to a certain extent, right? Because like, okay, oh, this sucks. It's like, well, I can't do much with that. Like, where, where, does, where does it suck? Or like, this is great. You know, I love it. And then you're like, okay, well, what, you know, is there something that you don't like? You know, is there anything that's maybe could be better? No, it's perfect. Well, that's not, you know, <laughs> there must be something, right? And and so maybe you, you do get these kind of things. Not to mention, I think uh, a lot of frameworks and stuff, they focus on getting the 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 thing done, which of course, which is, which is important. But once you can do that thing, so let's say ServerPod, once ServerPod can really power you to do whatever you want for your Flutter app in the back end, the next step, I think, is is also very important, but I'm not sure if it's really important in terms of getting uh, this done or not, but the ease of bringing newcomers to use that framework, right? And so if you have the training with somebody who's got zero knowledge and then you can see, oh, I can see why this is confusing. How can I make this easier? Maybe I can, like, if you type this wrong, then I get a nice help message that will make it clear, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's that's powerful for both sides, I think. That's really a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're starting out this year with this three-day event, and hopefully in the future we can grow it even bigger. Uh, so we're uh, selling tickets right now, and uh, um, for the listeners of Flying High with Flutter, 
also have a discount code called HIGH20. So with the code HIGH20, you can get a 20% discount on the ticket as well. Uh, okay, so high twenty, yeah, awesome. I mean, if I was in in Europe, I'd probably make my way over there. Sadly, uh, everybody in in Hong Kong is always forgotten for most of the programming world. It's not much conferences in Asia these days. Yeah, but I, I um, wasn't there a, a one in Singapore pretty soon or in this autumn. There could be. I, I haven't heard of it. If you know about something or anybody who's listening knows about it, let me know. If there's something happening in Singapore, I have a lot of. Uh, <laughs> They're called Asian miles, right, for, for, for flying. So I have a lot of Asian miles I could fly over there for pretty cheap. It's pretty uh, close for me to fly over to uh, Singapore. I can definitely check it out. The only thing about Singapore is, have you been to Singapore? Yeah. Super clean. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, it is. It, I, I really like the combination of it being super clean, but then you also have these um, huge food markets with food stalls, like really cheap, excellent food. Oh, I haven't seen that. I, I I actually live in a local market over here, so I'm so used to seeing, you know, half, like, take a whole pig and cut it in half, like, I guess you would call that long ways, like, on a on a push cart being pushed across with the, the hooves being dro- dragged on the ground. So it's like, all right. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would trust that. <laughs> my, I, I'm not even kidding you. Like, my my bedroom, well, you got to wash it, right? <laughs> But my, my bedroom is actually right on top of a butcher shop. So I always hear chop, chop, chop. Well, I'm used to it now, but before I used to hear chop, chop, chop at four o'clock in the morning. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I can imagine, I've, I've never seen something like that. To me, Singapore is quite built up, but I haven't traveled all around Singapore. Uh, but, but kind of getting back to the main topic, like I, I love your idea. In fact, um, I'm actually in the middle of putting on a potential conference for, for Hong, in Hong Kong. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, for for something, yeah, I'm not going to say too much because I feel I might jinx myself and it may not happen. But I'm I'm working on it, and I kind of like your idea of that pre-party. I went to a conference in U in let me say Ukraine in UK, where there was something like a pre-party, but it was more for like um, speakers and stuff, and they didn't really make it so clear that you should come, you know. But this one sounds more. No, you 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 really should come because it's going to make everything much easier as opposed to this one was no you get to meet people before the conference so you could get like that one-to-one time because you know once you're in a conference obviously you cannot you know just i'm gonna say bug them but you cannot spend as much time together plus of course it was at like a bar and stuff so you had you know a little bit more relaxed so yeah depends on how you want to do it yeah exactly um i mean i've been to conferences before that had these like pre-drinks the day before and usually quite informal um, but what we really wanted to do was to make it part of the actual agenda for the conference and split people up into uh, smaller groups so it's easier to to make small talk and contact. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. Tickets are available for purchases for purchasing now, right? Yep, tickets are available, and uh, we have a great lineup of speakers as well. We have Felix Angelov talking about how they built uh, Shore uh, for Shorebird. Uh, we have uh, Vyacheslav, uh, who's on the uh, Dart compiler team. He's going to talk about um, like the the Dart runtime. Um, and Ankansha, Dominic, Darja, Scott Stoll. Uh, Lucas of uh, Widget Book and uh, many more. Speaking of Widget Book, I mean, they really kind of 
I want to say they ran out swinging, but they really got a really good break. Like they they were mentioned in another conference, I think, or, or Google I.O., I think it was. And they got a pretty big boost. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I haven't actually used their product yet, but uh, I really want to do that. You basically got a lot of heavy hitters coming. So that's quite a big... Because there's... I mean, I've never heard of Flutter and Friends, but again, there's so many conferences, it's hard to keep track of in Flutter, right? I mean, we just finished, what was that one in Berlin? FlutterCon, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're two months after FlutterCon. Hopefully, um, you know, the desire for for more uh, is going to come uh, soon enough. So people get tickets to us as well. But uh, yeah, FlutterCon was absolutely huge. Um, but what we're doing is, I think, slightly, slightly different. It's a bit more, uh, more, more communal in, 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 the, in the fact that it's smaller and so on. But I also saw that Widgetbook had a great after party after Floricon that seems to be very appreciated. But uh, one of the main things also is that I f- feel like, in general, um, online and in conference, you have this really tight. Uh, community among speakers and like content creators who know each other through Twitter, through speaking at conferences, you usually have speakers dinners and so on. And it becomes like a really tight knit group. But for like the regular Flutter developer who just, you know, asks his boss for a ticket and, and comes to the conference, we wanted to, you know, give them that feeling of, of um, uh, community as well and make sure that everybody come out with new friends so that it's not only this like really core tight-knit group of people who who see each other at every conference yeah that you mentioned i didn't even even think about that part i mean for me i i think i usually make a couple of friends there and then once you leave you just kind of lose touch or whatever or you're trying to meet up again the next conference but yeah i i see what you're saying right basically there's more bonding between the speakers than there is the people who actually attend right yeah exactly Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm curious to see. This is the first time you guys have done this style. Yeah. So we uh, the Swift conference that um, uh, I was organizing in 2018. We had um, the same kind of concept with the social day, uh, but then we didn't have a workshop day afterwards. And uh, uh, from there, like we tried out this concept uh, with the social activities and the pre-party, etc. And uh, I, we got great feedback. Uh, from attendees and i felt that we had like a really uh really great like community feeling at the conference so it, it felt like it was a you know a, a hit move so that's why we wanted to continue with it but for the flutter community now that i'm no longer a native developer yeah that's that sounds pretty exciting um i mean we, we talked quite a bit about that and we have another topic to get to we're about halfway in uh, is there any, <laughs> don't mean to kind of brush this topic and do a unsmooth transition, but is there anything else that we've missed about, about Flutter and friends that we should let people know about before we transition back to, to about, uh, your experience with Flutter? I think you can find, uh, uh most of it, uh, on our website, flutterfriends.dev, and, uh, you can follow our Twitter as well on at Flutter and friends. Um, so, uh, yeah, go there for the latest updates. Now coming back to 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 you, right? Uh, you started this this company uh, called Done, which now is the word done also in in Swedish, or is this just the English word done and that's it, and everybody knows that word? 
Yeah, it's it's just the English word done, and, and that's it. So the funny thing is that the company I was coming from call, was called Doer. So I went from Doer to Done. But um, it, it, it felt like it was a good fit for the type of service that we do. So we're um, this kind of managed service for hiring craftsmen. Yeah, well, I, I kind of wanted to talk, talk a little bit about the, I mean, I, I know what it is and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I like to hear about kind of the before story and then we kind of get into what you guys actually do and how you solve the problem, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, idea-wise, um, I think it started for me like way back when I was trying to do like some simple renovations with my kitchen. Nothing like not a complete renovation, but some some small tweaks. And uh, I found out how difficult it was, at least in Sweden, to to find a great contractor. Uh, and many of them, they didn't want to take these kind of like smaller jobs. They only wanted to do big projects. And then uh, once I once I had the job done, it took like six months for the invoice to come. And when the invoice came, it was all wrong. Like it said that there have been people working on a holiday, which I know for sure there wasn't. Uh, so I was figuring, you know, th th there needs to be some kind of uh, improvements in this uh, home services area. But at the time I was working uh, at the other startup called uh, Doer. Um, but then uh, after a few years, actually when I was organizing uh, Swift and Fika, the Swift conference, one of our sponsors there was this company called Antler. Uh, so Antler is um, is a venture capital fund, but it's also uh, a program for entrepreneurs who want to start their own company, but don't have the haven't developed the idea and don't have their co-founders yet. So basically, uh, they uh, take in applicants and try to do like a fifty-fifty split between people in tech and people in business, all right? So uh, I joined this program and so did my co-founder Malin. Uh, so we met there. So she had a background of running like business operations at uh, different startups before. And I had, the, I had the background of being a iOS developer and like a tech lead. Uh, so together we started looking at uh, different ideas. This old idea that I had came into mind and really, like uh, I always, when I think back of like uh, digital services that have like profoundly affected my life for the better, um, I, I go back to the fact that a lot of them are marketplaces, uh, like apps that connect people with each other, right? So like when Facebook started, it was revolutionary if you were backpacking, meeting new friends, and all of a sudden you could, you know, you could find each other on Facebook like that, and you can stay in touch. Um, and uh, services like Airbnb uh, that may be able to, you know, live at other people's places and explore new cultures. Uh, services like Hostel World and um, uh, Couchsurfing. And then Uber came along, which is also this marketplace service, right? You have taxi drivers. Yeah, people want to book a taxi. Now there was one app to f to uh, have them both find each other. So uh, I kind of knew that I wanted to do a marketplace. 
so we explored this market of home services. And um, uh, at the time, there, there was also this trend with using uh, video calls. So there was this uh, trend of using it in, in medicine, you know, like uh, apps where you can see a doctor over a video call. So we were contemplating the idea um, that uh, usually when you have home contractors uh, that uh, you need to uh, do a project for you, they need to come home to you, have a look around the house to be able to give you an estimate and a quote on what it's going to cost. And thereafter, you can actually book the service. Uh, so we were toying with the idea, what if we could replace these home visits with video calls? You have a video call, you can show your electrician, this is what I need help with, these are my wall sockets, etc. And then we could make the process much more effective, uh, both for the consumer and for the craftsmen who don't need to drive around town all day. Uh, usually they do it once they've finished all other work they have, so they do it in the evenings. And this... This way, we save them time. Uh, so, uh, of course, when we were looking at this service, like we knew that we needed to be mobile, we needed to have an app. Uh, and since it was going to have video calls, we needed to have both iOS and Android at the same time because uh, most of our customer base in Stockholm were iOS users. But most of the craftsmen were like 50-50 of the craftsmen were using Android. Uh, so we knew right from the bat that we needed to have both platforms at launch. And, and that's kind of how we found um, uh, Flutter. Okay, that, that's pretty interesting. Um, but I mean, when you, when you start working with Flutter, what was Flutter at, at, at the time? Was it only for mobile devices? Because when I joined, it was basically mobile only. Yeah, exactly. It, so it was mobile only, um, and our first app was mobile only. And then when Flutter uh, Web uh, came into beta, we tried out immediately because at that point we had been growing for a while. Um, so we had uh, like the typical craftsmen who worked with us were uh, um, like sole proprietors. They, they were working for themselves. They were the, the only employees in the company. But some companies had a few more employees. And some of them had people coordinating the work and sat at an office. And they had told us, I don't want to sit uh, and work with a mobile phone. I do all my work on a laptop. Uh, so uh, before Flutter Web, we of course had the um, the other alternative of uh, creating uh, an entire web app. But that would mean that we need to hire web developers or take resources from our mobile app team for them to, uh, to start developing the second code base. And of course, then you suddenly have two code bases. So every time you uh, create a new feature, there's always going to be one code base that gets created faster than the other for that feature because there might be some you know, technical depth uh, backlog items that need to be clearing first on one platform but not the other. Um, so you always need to like wait the two platforms out. And we really wanted to avoid that as much as possible. So when Flutter Web was announced uh, in beta, we tried it out. And at first, 
uh, in the beta, like we we saw that there was potential. We could get. We had an intern who uh, created um, a prototype in a couple of weeks, and we saw that you know we were ninety percent there, but there were some still missing pieces. And then uh, after holding off the project for a few months, uh, and uh, when the Flutter web went uh, stable. We tried it out again and saw that it met our needs perfectly. Uh, that, that's interesting, though. But I mean, it, it must not be a straightforward um, port. I mean, it's just like, okay, target uh, web and done, right? There must be some tweaking involved, no? For our first web version, we targeted the, actually desktop only. So we didn't target mobile web. Uh, so what we did was to uh, make the layout flexible. Um, and we added like um, uh, we made our tab bar like vertical instead of being at the bottom, and we added like a pane view, so you had like your main navigation, and then you had the second pane with the the details of whatever you um, whatever you clicked at in the navigation pane, things like that. But those are only UI tweaks. Uh, at at first, we didn't have our video call feature on uh, on the web. We only had it on mobile, but later we added that as well. So uh, it was really, I think, like the powerful thing with Flutter is that one, if you're only in dark land and Flutter land, everything works beautifully, whatever device you're on. It just works, and we never had any device-specific bugs. It's only the plugins that are going to be the headache. So in our case, like we were using Firebase, and uh, there's still no pure Dart implementation of um, Firestore and all the different other Firebase services. So this meant that we need to wait for a web plugin for Firebase as well. But once that was up, and of course it had a few kinks in the beginning, um, then things went on pretty smoothly. There was some, I think with file management, the, there was also some some problems because we had support for file uploads and uh, there was this thing we needed to use this package called xfile and have a lot of if statements depending on if we were on web or targeting native um, but other than that it was a fairly smooth process now the other thing that i remember right you're saying is you targeted um desktop support for or, or desktop view for for web right now, one of the things that's still not working unless something changed is the hot code reload for web, right? Now, how did you manage to get working with that? Like what I usually see, at least over here, what we usually do is we usually we work with, um, we actually, we had a, like a web only project and then we just had it target Mac because we're all using Macs. And then we would work everything with Mac and then we would just kind of do it like a one-time play around with, uh, web, did you do the same thing? Yeah, so we've uh, been toying a bit with that, but we actually haven't um, done that all out. It's been like on on our backlog for a while to to add the Mac target, but um, so you don't have hot code reload, but you have hot restart, right? So hot restart, uh, it works fairly well. I mean, you need to refresh your browser. Um, and you might lose some state, um, but for us, since since basically all of our state is in the cloud at all times with the Firestore, 
um, we didn't have uh, that much issues developing for for Flutter Web, but it, it was a bit slower than, than it was um, developing for the uh, mobile platforms for sure. Okay, so you're still developing using just the web, right? Okay, I, I can see how how that works. Um, I'm always kind of curious about how do you structure your 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 code base, right? Because you have obviously uh, mobile app, which is pretty clear to a certain extent, right? There's no like we don't really have the phablet issue necessarily as as we used to like a long time ago. Um, you know, how, how do you like manage your code so that the UI draws properly, and how do you like keep kind of sane between desktop, web, and mobile, uh, mobile native? And I'm guessing now you also have mobile web working, right? Yeah, exactly. So we added mobile web um, just a few months ago, actually, uh, on the request of our some of our customers. So the thing is also with our service, we started out with selling our service directly to consumers, and then we marketed it as like this is the new way, you know, to to uh, shop for home services. You download this app; it's amazing. Um, and uh, with that, we had these like early adopter customers who who were willing to do that. But uh, as we've grown, we're now also um, uh, our service has also become a kind of an intermediary. So we work with retailers who. Uh, sell products that need some kind of installation. So the biggest thing for us right now is uh, EV chargers for cars. So we have this website that sells uh, car chargers. They sell it with installation and then we take over for the actual installation. So then we have our network with uh, electricians all over Sweden. And uh, so, so now these customers aren't necessarily ours from the start. And some of them were coming to us and saying like, hey, I don't want to download an app. I just want to get my car charger installed. Uh, and that's uh, when we started using uh, FlutterWeb for mobile as well. And really, that was just like less than a week worth of time, just flipping a switch, making sure that some things um, weren't working incorrectly. And, and that was pretty much it. So uh, I think FlutterWeb has been it's been quite easy for us to work with. And when it comes to this, like uh, how to make sure that we lay out differently on different devices, those have, we've, we've used quite simple widgets, uh, quite high up in our uh, widget hierarchy, which just uh, queries uh, the, the media query, look at the screen width. Uh, so that way we get responsive layout on web. You can take a, uh, a desktop web browser window and resize it, and it becomes a, a mobile layout. And really, we've tried to keep uh, as much as the layout the same between mobile and desktop, and just that on desktop, for instance, we have this like dual pane, uh, this uh, like uh, navigation detail uh, pattern. Um, and th that's pretty much it. And I think that's been working out uh, great for us because, you know, when you're a, when you're a small startup, we're a small development team uh, of three developers that are working across the Flutter app, but also the backend. And we have an internal back office system uh, as a web app. Then you really need to like optimize for 
for efficiency, uh, not having to change in multiple places in the code base or multiple code bases when you need to do uh, one minor change. So for instance, also on our marketing website where you book our services, before that was um, a web app in React. And now with the success of using Flutter Web on mobile as well, we're looking at spawning out um, a separate app that can work as our booking flow on our website. So uh, to kind of coordinate all of this, we use uh, uh, Melos, uh, which is this great tool for orchestrating um, uh, apps and packages and sharing like internal packages between apps. So we have a structure where we have like our all our uh, domain models in one package and then all the UI in one package. What's really nice about that is that then in your UI widget, you can't access the model. So you follow this um, unidirectional data flow. Uh, so, so you know that your widgets aren't doing any funny stuff. And then we can, um, we can also have multiple app targets. So we have one app target that goes for the Flutter mobile and web. And then we also have an internal app that we use specifically to um, test out our calling feature so that our in-house staff can use that app to call users um, inside of our platform from a separate app without being in like the customer or craftsman app that we have. Now, are they also using the in-app calling to call them or are they calling like traditional way? Yeah, exactly. So they also use the in-app calling. So, uh, you know, after, uh, after the COVID years, I think many have been experiencing like the pain of really bad uh, web or to see calling uh, solutions that are used by, you know, health agencies and stuff like that, where both of you have to go to the same URL at the same time and, um, you know, things like that. And we really wanted to uh, avoid that and make the calls like as true, as much as of a true native experience as possible. So uh, we have our own um, uh, plugin out there called Flutter Call Keep. Uh, which integrates with uh, CallKit on iOS and Connection Service on Android to manage um, the calls so that when a user calls somebody uh, in our app um, for the receiver, it shows up as a real call. So you s your, uh, your phone starts ringing no matter what you do with it and uh, it covers the whole screen. It says, you know, like this uh, electrician is calling you from the Dun app. Uh, and also you have uh, uh, the you also for free get background calls that way so that craftsmen or customers can look things up uh, while they're having the video call and so on. Yeah, okay, that's that's cool. I, I do remember it, like I think originally Skype was using this many years ago, and of course I'm sure they're probably still using it. So that that's actually pretty easy to to use. You're saying you're using a package for that, or do you actually have to write that package yourself? Yeah, so so we we uh, we wrote that package called Flutter CallKeep. We also use another package called Flutter WebRTC um, to to handle the actual streams. And now we also use that in conjunction with Agora, which is this managed service for WebRTC, which has been working great. Like we used to have some some uh, quite a lot of connection issues 
when we were running our own WebRTC servers, but with Agora, things have been working super good. Uh, but with Agora out of the box, you only get this like in-app experience where both parties need to enter the same screen at the same time. Uh, and then uh, we added this layer uh, with the, the package uh, that we wrote, uh, Flutter Call Key, to integrate with the uh, OS services on iOS and Android so that you get like a true uh, call notification so that, for instance, if you're already in another call and somebody calls you from the down app, it shows up and you can park it and things like that. So it, it's basically the same kind of experience as if you get um, uh, like Facebook Messenger or if you call with WhatsApp or, or Skype, as you mentioned as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. WhatsApp does have that. I totally forgot. You know, the most annoying thing about WhatsApp calls, at least, so I have an Apple Watch. You can see it's the Ultra one. Uh, usually my phone's in my pocket. I usually have it on vibrate because I'm always going meeting to meeting or I'm listening to a podcast or whatever. I don't want to listen. I don't even know what the heck my ringtone sounds like. And when people call me through WhatsApp, it always vibrates my phone. And sometimes if it's not near me, like it's on my desk or if it's in my pocket, my, it's not against my leg, I don't feel the vibration. And I don't get any notification on my watch. So I'm not sure if you have the same issue or not. I'm curious if that's something that uh, is 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 for all apps or just WhatsApp doesn't integrate properly or what? Oh, that's a great question. If it was a really long time, I um, I tried out using the watch, so uh, I can't remember if it works well or not. Yeah, it, the call doesn't even show up on my watch at all. It's just like nothing. So then people call me and, and then they keep calling me and then finally they call me on my real, you know, how's it called? The real phone number. And then I see, oh, hey, hey, I keep calling you. Where are you? Um, what do you mean? I'm, I'm here where we said to meet. Yeah, but I called you like 10 times. I'm like, really? Oh, what? what's all these whisk calls on WhatsApp? What's going on? So I, yeah. Yeah, I, if it's a problem, like if it's because like it doesn't integrate like call kit or whatever, then I would be a little bit upset with Apple because that's, yeah, because it's very common to put your phone on on the table and then like, you know, listening to music or who the heck knows what, it doesn't really matter, right? You have this watch that they're supposed to be selling you on that you should be using, but it's not telling me when I get phone calls through WhatsApp, at least. It drives me crazy. Um, yeah, maybe you better, I think, did I put a worry on to you now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it's good. I, I, I do remember... I think I have a slight remembrance that it does work, but I need to double check because it was so so long time ago. Uh, you know, nowadays, like uh, what's mostly on our agenda is to like uh, fix a lot of um, internal financial administration and like work with our backend systems to uh, to make sure like invoices go in and out correctly and, and the people get paid on time and and stuff like that. Especially you get paid on time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so we're going to bring that into the app as well, but uh, th those are kind of problems that come once you start scaling a bit. Well, well the good thing is, it, I think, and let me know if I'm wrong, but I think you're past that. So you, you, it, I think you're past the point of, is this a, a valid idea, right? You've, you've validated it, it sounds like, with real customers coming at you. And you have found also, uh, I don't know if it's a, how much it is, but... You mentioned somewhat of a what I would call a side business, right? Because you really you wanted to get the home improvement, home repairs, but then you have this kind of second thing, which is related, which is about getting 
like you said, EV chargers and, and also other things from when you buy them getting installed to people's place, you know, could be home, could be office, who knows what, right? That was never on your horizon, I think, right, initially. Yeah, exactly. No, it wasn't. And actually now that area has become our biggest business. And, and I think I think it's interesting, um, really, like, uh, it, you know, you, you hear about um, companies and entrepreneurs who have to pivot a, a lot, right? You start up with one business idea and then you pivot to something else because the original idea didn't work. And I think that's kind of always going to be part of the process because once you're on the market and you start getting customers, you start getting to know your competitors better, you, you know, you know, know the market better, then you're going to find opportunities. Um, and I think that's something that's really important as a CTO to plan your product to be able to uh, take opportunities when they come. So w with that said, you know, Flutter, that's why Flutter was a, such a great choice for us. Uh, for instance, that we, we knew that we needed to start out on mobile, but then as web came along, now we could use it for, for web as well. Um, and, and now we're also looking at like, how could we even take our entire platform and sell it to someone in, you know, across the globe where we won't expand with our service because it's too far away from us and we don't know the market, but maybe somebody else can take the platform that we have, which, you know, enables uh, and facilitates communication and uh, facilitates like distribution and planning of these jobs and all the financial stuff and use it for something else that we didn't think about. Well, what I was trying to say is that it sounds like you solve basically all the technical issues that you were looking to solve. You know, you, you have it working on web, which is basically the missing platform. I'm guessing, I mean, are you looking to try to put this as also to a desktop app or maybe it's not really required because you have mobile and you have desk, you have those, sorry, you have web, right? Which works on desktop and mobile. Yeah, exactly. And also I think what's really cool is that uh, once you target web, you also, um, so, so Flutter generates um, uh, PWA manifest for you. So if you're running Chrome, you have like a one-click button to install your app as a PWA app. So then it shows up, you know, like among your other uh, apps on your, uh, on your computer. You can, you know, command tab to it. You get push notifications, all of that. So um, I think the tricky thing about uh, Flutter Desktop uh, is that you, if you need plugins, now you have more platforms to target for those plugins. So for instance, it took quite a while before there was, um, um, before the Flutter Fire project um, had uh, come to desktop. Uh, and of course, you know, desktop is not just one platform, but then you need a Flutter Fire for Mac OS, one for Windows, one for Linux. But all of these platforms do still run web. So if you want to target those users, you can still do that through web. And um, of course, that it, it then depends what kind of app that you have. In our case, our app, it facilitates a service, but people don't pay for the app. People pay for the service. Uh, so I think it would be completely differently if you were 
building a pro uh, productivity app or like an email client or something like that, something like Superlist, then you need to target the, the true native platforms to get that really high fidelity and that last ounce of performance. Um, but in our case, like we're, since our service takes something that used to take a week to uh, take like a day, then if it's, uh, you know, if it's refreshing a few milliseconds slower, um, it's not a big deal in the uh, bigger scope of things. Yeah, that, you made a really good point. It's too bad. I don't think PWAs actually work on desktop, do they? Oh, yeah, they do. With, uh, on, on Mac OS, at least, they do. Um, yeah, and, but what's also interesting is that uh, if you have an uh, uh, M chip uh, Mac, you can also run native iOS apps. Yeah, I remember that. I haven't tried it. I can imagine how weird that would be. So was it just pick up your laptop and start shaking if you want to shake to undo? I don't think that's supported, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to try that someday. I totally forgot about that. The other thing I'm also interested in and kind of curious about, like, I am um, attracted to that idea. Do you do you remember like those? I forgot what the names are called. Where it's like you can download a quick version of the app where it's like very very slim. Do do you support that? Are you looking to actually end up supporting that? Uh, yeah, so I think I think that was kind of a uh, you know idea that was good on paper, but um, I think you know both Apple and Google they are both competing all the time to release new APIs, release new features, and at some point, um, as a, as an app developer, like you just can't keep up with implementing all of the features, right? And I think that's and and then you you need to do a cost benefit analysis. I think that's kind of what happened with these app snippets because I haven't seen them around anywhere. Like I you know there are restaurants and shops that have apps, and this functionality was you know supposedly for those kind of places. Like you go to the movies or something, and instead of downloading the entire big bulky app for that cinema. Uh, you should be able to just scan a special code and then you have the in-app experience um, as if it was on the web. Uh, and I've never seen that. So uh, I, I think like the, the cost-benefit analysis kind of like didn't make sense there because perhaps web was still was good enough and also like mobile speeds have improved a lot. So that was also one of the one of the big reasons for why we were betting on video calls, because you know in 2019 we had 4G, but 5G was right around the horizon, and already then, like we could we could start noticing amongst the users that most of our users had better cellular connection than they had Wi-Fi, because. With at-home Wi-Fi, it depends really a lot on your configuration. It depends where your router is, what brand. If there's, you know, additional traffic coming from other tenants in the, in the same house, but cellular just always works. Uh, and with 5G, I would I would reckon that most people have a better connection on their mobile than they have at at Wi-Fi. And once you have that like downloading a 100 megabyte app 
it's not a big deal. But then, of course, this is like in developed markets uh, and in, in other markets where internet connectivity is slower. Maybe it makes sense there, but like from Apple's point of view, you know, you don't have much uh, iOS uh, penetration. Um, and I think Android users will would probably still just use the web rather than uh, because if you have a with the web, you can use just a regular QR code. You don't need to do something like fancy where uh, where the device senses that this link goes to like a special uh, limited app link rather than going to the web browser or going to the store. And it just becomes more complicated. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I, I guess for me, I can definitely see the value in that. And I mean, it kind of depends, right? Because sometimes you use something one off, you would like to have that simple um, experience. And if you don't have web people on your team or you don't have Flutter, then maybe that's more attractive to you. Like, I think they gave the example of like renting skis or something. Or to me, what's coming to my mind is like, if you take the train, you know, uh, like we, we often have a train that goes from the suburbs to, to downtowns of the city. If you go downtown, maybe like once a year, does it really make sense for you to download the app? Like, let's just say that that's their only method. Um, you know, they don't have physical keys or something, physical tickets. They have everything that like, like maybe that makes sense. And then it's like, well, I have to work downtown. So then I, I, I'm, you know, the app works great. Now I want to download the full experience. Like something like that definitely makes sense. But I, I see your point. It's like, well, what's the cost benefit analysis of it? How big is the app really going to be? I mean, to me, it's like you want to be able to, I don't know, like nowadays you have to convince somebody to download your app, right? As opposed to what it what, what it was used before when iPhone first came out, it was, there was there's an app for that. And now it's, you go to a restaurant and say, oh, download our app. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know what you feel like, but for me, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And it's also annoying because my phone's still in US store and some uh, apps are not available to me because my phone my apple account is still in the u.s and i'm in hong kong so the app may not even be available to me so then i'm totally screwed and that's where the web browser would work exactly and, and i think uh the thing is that in the end um the reality is that you always need to fall back on the web um because because of you know people have different devices people have old devices people don't want to download an app you always need to be able to provide a web interface if you're selling like a, a commercial service that targets you know the broad mass because you're gonna have you're gonna have you know uh, grandmas and grandpas who are seventy plus who like I don't, I don't we had some customers who like I don't have an app phone you know no oh, they have a flip or something yeah exactly and and uh, in that case like. It doesn't make sense for them to like ask their uh, uh, their uh, son or daughter to like download an app for them, right? Um, uh, like in those type of circumstances, like the web always works. You just give it a URL, and you can access it whatever device you're on. Uh, and because of since it becomes like the least common denominator, you always need to have that, and then the cost-benefit analysis becomes weaker because if you already have the web and you already have the native app, okay, how much extra benefit do you get in order to, uh, if you're going to build this 
special isolate because that takes uh, also quite a lot of uh, effort and it requires a lot of your code base because it requires that your code base is very modular so that you can actually strip away all of the other things and you can ship a binary and a resource bundle which only contains the images and the fonts and the code that's needed for this specific use case. Um, and in some cases that might then translate to, oh, we need to refactor our entire app in order to uh, just you know, have the possibility of building this use case. And with and with Flutter, it it becomes even even more uh, or even less um, uh, convincing because with Flutter you still need to ship the entire Flutter binary. So you, I think it's going to be really hard to come down in binary size. Well, what about um, when you have people that say, like you said, have a feature phone? I'm sure people at home have no idea what the heck a feature phone is. At least the younger audience. You and I are a little bit older. You know what I'm talking about. So basically, a non iPhone or Apple. Not even a Windows, <laughs> but you know, like if you have, uh, and then you have like a desktop with no webcam, no microphone. W w how do they experience uh, done then? Yeah. So uh, apart from uh, video calls, we also have uh, an in-app chat, uh, but but also, you know, in in special cases, we just need to like leave everything digital behind. If there's a customer that has ordered the service, you know, they paid for the service. The, the important thing is to provide a service for the customer and make the customer happy. So in, in those cases, we might do, you know, things in our, our back office uh, because like in our app, uh, both the, the craftsman or installer and the customer uses it. So the craftsman still like uses our app to manage that project. Um, and to make notes for themselves, uh, uh, etc. Um, whilst maybe the customer never even sees the app, they just uh, uh, they they might get uh, like a, a regular phone call or an SMS saying like, "Hey, your your installer is coming this date at this time." So so that's something like you know in, in a startup you need to be very very flexible um, in those kind of ways, and of course. If you're making the next, like, Twitter or Instagram, that it's a whole different story because then your app is your product; it is what you're selling, and then you can also be niched with your market. I mean, Instagram only launched on iOS; it was only on iOS for, I think, a full year before it came to Android. Uh, so, you, of course, you're gonna limit yourself a bit then, but. Um, when you're selling a different kind of service. I mean, if you are selling train tickets and you can't download an app, like you're going to become really frustrated with a train company. You're just going to say, hey, I just want to get my ticket. I don't care about your app. So uh, it's, it's really important to, to be able to think about uh, like what kind of uh, customers you will actually be getting and think about those edge cases as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, well, I mean, I think we covered quite a bit about done. Is there, is there anything else, uh, that we missed about it? I mean, we went deep into the product We talk about what it actually does, the new line of business, your pivot, a slight pivot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Slight might become a bigger pivot later. If you, we start selling the platform. I mean, is, is there anything else that we miss? 
Yeah, well, uh, I was thinking maybe with with Flutter Web, uh, when we started out, like uh, uh, just like Navigator 1.0, 2.0 era, uh, you know, with Navigator 1.0, that's all history now. But is that a pun? <laughs> it very well could be, <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, as, as you as you probably know uh, as well, like the URLs you got on web were pretty terrible. Like it it wasn't built for handling uh, web URLs as web users were used to. Um, so uh, that's also why we didn't launch like a customer version of our web app until Navigator. 2.0 showed out and and we could do things with go router we, we also haven't yet transitioned to canvas kit we're still using the html renderer and the biggest problem that's stopping us and i'll be really curious to um to hear from from the flutter team on this like there's an open issue about it but that's the rendering of system native emojis mm. so in for our use case, like chat is probably the most important feature in our app. People chat, uh, the craftsman and the customer all the time. And if you're running an iOS device, you need to have iOS emojis. Otherwise, your app is not going to be taken seriously, even if it's a web app. Same thing if you're running, you know, if you're running a Mac and you use Flutter Web on your Mac, you need to have apple style emojis and right now i believe that uh i might be wrong on this but i believe that in canvas kit you don't have access to the system fonts and that's the problem so you need to ship your own fonts um but of course you can't ship apple's emoji font because it has a license restriction you can only access it through uh the the os and the native browser apis uh so uh, when you run Flutter Web with the Canvas Kit renderer, you right now have two options. So either you don't show emojis at all, or you use a third-party emoji font, which gonna, you know, of course, break how things look like on the different platforms. And of course, some apps run their own emojis, like uh, Facebook Messenger, for instance. But like we're i think you need to be really careful things like that because we're not at a level where people use our app all the time you know we we can't if, if we would just throw in a random emoji library uh i think users would complain about it and we don't have the resources to kind of like design our entire own emoji library like facebook has done for messenger with kind of which uh you know integrates well with the rest of their design etc um, so uh, what's interesting is that there are other web apps that do render emojis um, like figma for instance and uh, I've, I've looked at it in the web inspector while running figma uh, and it seems to me like uh, they are running uh, most of the navigation that the navigation panes they are running html and they render the emojis perfectly fine um, but all the content in the middle like all your the actual design that's um, running the uh, uh, on the canvas and they are still able to render the emojis so i wonder if they use some kind of trick where they might you know off-screen render 
um, uh, the text as an HTML element, convert that into pixels, and then put it back on the canvas or something like that. Um, so uh, there is, um, as I mentioned, an ongoing issue on the in the Flutter repo about this. Uh, but I wonder if that might be like a, uh, a trick that could be used. It would be interesting to follow what's going to happen with that. But for us, that's like the last thing that stops us from switching over to Canvas Kit. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't aware of this. Maybe because I never I never really focus on emojis too much, and we don't really. We only we have one Flutter web app that I can think of, and that's for conducting clinical trials. So I don't see a lot of doctors and patients sending. I mean, maybe how are you feeling today, frowny face? I mean, it, it's it's possible, but it's never come <laughs> up. So that's that's interesting. Uh, okay, I didn't know this was an issue, but that that definitely makes sense, and and that rings true to me uh, about the font issue, right? That I don't know about the distributing part, but for sure I know about. Uh, the fonts and yeah, the, the Apple stuff. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'm curious how they can solve that. I I guess you'd have to embed a special widget and say, okay, this stuff is HTML or something. I don't know. Did they did they talk about any kind of possible? They didn't talk about any kind of possible solutions in that that issue. Not last time I checked, but uh, now of course it's been uh, just been some weeks of vacation and, and other stuff for me. So uh, uh, I haven't caught up, but um, yeah, I guess what they could do is like if they, if there is a special widget and then in turn that used the JS plugin and then in JavaScript, you would uh, in some way like off-screen render, get the pixels back. But yeah, it's going to be cool to see uh, once they find out a solution uh, to check out how they did it. It's interesting to hear your your use case for it and how you you're, you didn't really get into Flutter Web until yeah you saw it there you parked it so stable tried out when stable seems to fit for everything. One small issue to use the new renderer, but hopefully that'll get solved sometime soon. Uh, it sounds like Flutter really helped your business a lot, right? And I'm guessing there's probably no regrets and. Uh, what, what's kind of next on the horizon? We were kind of talking a little bit about that before. Like you solved all your technical issues, it's, except for this one, the emoji one. But at least it works now. Yeah, and, and actually for us, like the HTML renderer, it works fine. Like uh, we're not, uh, an, you know, an animations-heavy app uh, or anything like that. So we don't need all the juice of the Canvas Kit render that I'm assuming apps like Rive need. Um, but um, Next up for us, it's um, right now we're only in, in Sweden, so uh, we're probably going to expand to to more markets soon. Um, in terms of the app, we've been toying around with like adding uh, adding AR, uh, adding AI as well, like uh, doing stuff like um, perhaps using a Palm Two, um, Google's uh, natural language uh, model to like summarize uh, summarize chats and tr also we're looking at transcribing video calls and then summarizing them so that we can say like okay who is it the customer who's waiting for the craftsman for a reply or is it you know the craftsman who's waiting for the customer to get their um, package home delivered um, and things like that to kind of add some like operational intelligence that helps out 
our team uh, to make sure that uh, things are going smoothly and like can detect if there's like you know uh, a change of mood in the chat that oh, okay now this is starting to sound hostile something should someone should look into it uh, things like that oh uh, hostile chat with the repairman that does not sound good yeah but you know some some sometimes uh, you know people um you know, start arguing about things i didn't show up yesterday oh, i was sick you know things like that and then uh, we need to get a hold maybe give the customer a discount maybe just talk to them you know uh, or making sure that the partners that we do have the craftsmen that they um that they are you know uh, good at their jobs and good in communication and it's really hard to do that at scale. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're going to have some bad apples. But I think what I try to think about other people, and sometimes I think it's just about setting expectations, right? Like, oh, you said you're going to show up. Maybe something wasn't communicated or wasn't clear what's going on. So it, it stuff happens, right? And then people get all upset because they feel, you know, not happy, right? I loved hearing your insight about how Flutter really worked out for your business and how Flutter Web also worked out well. And you've been super happy with other than that one small issue with the emoji. And hopefully, again, that one gets fixed because that I'm sure you're not the only one. In fact, I was just looking up over here uh, and it seems like a lot of people are also complaining about that. So that's, yeah, that's a really big, a big issue, I would say. It's a relatively big issue. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a huge issue for us. We can still run with the HTML renderer. But yeah, it was uh, super nice talking to you, Alan. And uh uh, you can also find me on Twitter and at Mr. Alec. And um, remember to check out Flutter and Friends in September. Um, yeah, super awesome talking to you. And this kind of code is high 20, right? H-I-G-H and then number two, number zero. Yes, high 20. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, hopefully have you get on soon. Thank you too, Alan.